Hello and welcome to another episode of We Ain't Got No Podcasts. We Ain't Got No History's official podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Funnel, and as always, I'm joined by my fellow co-host, Ram Serenus. Uh, Serenus, sorry. Uh, you know, not, not to... Uh, not been wait too long. Um, <laughs> uh, welcome back, Ram. I gotta say, you rock star. I hope you were oh. successful in your your band with your band. Yeah, thank you. Uh, <laughs> very very nice of you to drop a link to my band in the podcast article. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> um, I hope you'll think of us when when you're on stage at Glastonbury or something like that in the future. So. Uh, <laughs> right yeah sure of course I <laughs> anyway yes as you can already hear we do have a guest uh today and i've actually been really looking forward to uh, welcoming on it is not a community member as has been uh often the case uh since we started this podcast but it's uh well a friend i could say from twitter who I've become very much fond of over the past few months. Ms. Roman, if I pronounce that correctly, I'm, I'm sorry. Ms., welcome to the podcast. I think anyone who is on Chelsea Twitter and has come around will have heard of you uh, with your um, official comunicados to quite a few <laughs> <laughs> journalists. It's great to have you on. Thanks, Jimmy. Now you've got my name um, spot on. Uh, look, been looking forward i've been following you guys for quite a bit I've obviously you know the content just keeps coming in thick and fast in football twitter and you know whenever i get a bit of chance uh, to have a sneak preview of uh, some of the stuff that you guys are doing um i thoroughly thoroughly enjoy the work that you and ram is doing um and some of the podcasts that you guys are you know uh, pumping out as well it's really really top notch so really really excited to be here and um yeah, it's probably not the greatest <laughs> match to come after, but hey, nonetheless, I'll I'll take my chances. Yeah, uh, I think you 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 caught that uh, quite well there because it's not necessarily the best time to be talking about Chelsea after yesterday. Um, we will get into that, however, soon enough uh, so that we can be sad together. But <laughs> um, before we do get to this, uh, I actually always love this segment where. We get to know our guests um, with our community members. We always uh, ask the question, so how did you become a Chelsea fan? Because we are a podcast who like to think of ourselves that are globally connected, where we want to uh, endorse Chelsea fans to uh, connect, whether you're from Britain or from the US or anywhere else in the world, uh, from uh, India, of course, as Ram is, or Nigeria, it doesn't matter. Uh, we're all Chelsea fans, and it's always really interesting to hear how someone became a Chelsea fan, um, how he lives this passion. And uh, it'd be great to, if you could share your story with us, Miz. Um, I, for one, and I'm sure I speak for everyone uh, who's listening, would love to hear it. Oh, man, I, I, I love sharing this part of my journey to, to become a Chelsea fan. Um, look, I'm, I'm 34. I'm going to be 35 this year uh, in May. Um, I came to Australia back in 1997. And prior to that, I actually had no exposure to any sort of club football, to be honest. Um, lived my life uh, 
partly in United Arab Emirates uh, in Abu Dhabi for four years over there uh, prior to coming to Australia. Mm -hmm. And then prior to that, I was in Bangladesh. I was very, very little. You know, I was, I was six when I left the country. Um, so my prior days to coming to Australia, it was really just international football. Um, it was just World Cup. You know, I remember I was 11 when I came to Australia and prior to that, it was just World Cup. I didn't even know there was a whole people club scene, you know. I just mm. thought everyone just rocked up for the international games and, you know, they, you just had the World Cup. Um, and then obviously came to Australia and uh, got into uh, primary school around uh, grade six. And it was probably around 1998 when I hit high school. Um, and uh, it was France 1998, I remember. And after that is when I really got into a lot of my friends, they used to talk about club football. Um, a few of my friends were actually Real Madrid fans, um, some were AC Milan fans. Um, very few were into Premier League sort of fans. But um, I started getting into football um, and uh, there was a particular channel in Australia. Like There wasn't that much um, sort of coverage um, back mm. then of club football. Um, back, I'm talking about in 1998, 1999 sort of stuff. So the, the very sort of limited... Um, exposure I used to get in TV and uh, you know that once a week they'd show a particular match on on, on a channel here um, and it wasn't even live either it was just highlights post and I said that I was you know coincidentally it was I think as I remember it was Chelsea versus Newcastle uh, this might have been 98-99 and um, and yeah from there on I just sort of kept watching on a weekly basis and Luckily enough, more of Chelsea matches started to come on. And from there on, the, the passion for Chelsea just kept on growing. You know, the players like Zola, um, <clears> you know, uh, and um, Jimmy Ford Hasselbank um, not that long after, um, and many others. And, and, you know, I remember uh, Viali uh, was, was the coach uh, during that time, around that time. Um, and yeah, the passion just kept on growing and growing and growing. Um, just watched more matches, and then I think it was around after two thousand when Premier League really, really started to take off in in Australia. Um, you know, there was there was proper more more you know coverage, more highlights packages, more football shows. Um, and yeah, I guess from there on in, you know, luckily enough, I didn't. I know a lot of people will say that, oh, you know, you never saw the hard times of Chelsea. Daddy, daddy, you just came in just when, you know, just when Roman was about to take over. Well, sorry, I mean, it's not my fault that I got in around that time. But I guess my fondest memory is when, when you know, Roman took over, and you know, I didn't get to see too much of the pain. Um, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much my story. Jimmy, um, and then from there on, I saw the Roman era, and till now, here I am. Absolutely cool. You've basically been a Chelsea fan for as long as I've been alive, so uh, that's cool. <laughs> it's, always, it's always nice to hear of times that I couldn't possibly remember from someone's perspective who's actually lived through it. No, that, that's really cool, though. Um, since you happen to live in Australia, do you, is there an A-League team that you support out of interest? Oh, uh, you know, 
I, I really, really support want to your him. local. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, boys, I, I really want to. My my younger brother, he's actually in football Twitter as well, but he's he's a massive Arsenal fan. But he's he's he hasn't been watching much of Premier League lately. He's he's actually um you know he got in on the journalism side and now he's slowly becoming a um an analyst and now he's actually working as a for a second tier. So so we've got A League and then Wait, just under A League. Second, your brother. Yeah, uh, I think I think you know him, Shabab Hussain. Shabab Hussain. Oh my God! What? Okay, this is that's pretty cool. Okay, <laughs> this is not how I expected yeah, you to find him, out. Man. But... He follows... Oh yeah, no, he's he's I I talk to him often. I ask him about players and everything. Oh, that's cool. Wow. Yeah, yeah, he's he's into massive stats, and um, he just got himself a gig in the second division uh, did, with yeah. one of the clubs. Yeah, I don't remember the name of the club, and he got in as an analyst over there, where he's he's pretty much like a scout sort of. He's he, he basically will do the money ball sort of um, sort of statistical review. So you know he's very much into a league and he's been really really telling me lately that bro come watch matches with me and i'm like man i really do want to go i want to support someone i want to support the local um it only makes sense but honestly guys it's just there's just not enough time like you've got family i've got a little one your work and then chelsea games are so late at night or yeah. early in the morning it's just exhausting, man. Like, it's just, I, I don't have enough time to do everything. Um, but hopefully one day, one day, I want to support probably Sydney FC because that's my hometown. Um, so, yeah, let's see. understand that, though, because local team here as well, uh, try to uh, keep up, but it's not always that easy. Um, mm. It's just world flies by. Uh, when you can watch it on the TV, it's something completely different than having to go. I, I mean, of course, you can, one will be called out as uh, plastic then if one doesn't <laughs> support your local. But it's just, you know, priorities. One, yeah. one is born as a Chelsea fan, one wants to watch those games and that's it. You know, if, exactly. one, if one moves somewhere, that's always difficult. I can fully understand that. And establishing a bond there it's not as easy you know you can't just say okay now i'm going to be a fan of this club you know it's just it's not mm. doesn't work that way the sympathy is sure but getting yourself to drag yourself to every game if there is not this this bond from you know a certain age on where you say this affinity is uh uh apparent yeah it's it's, it's not that easy as some like to make it out to be but you know that, yeah that's, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, well, interesting sub-segment to the initial introduction, I guess. Uh, moving on to the game, mm-hmm. though. Less less pleasant things. Okay, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know where to start, to be honest. Uh, Jimmy, what, what did you think? What, uh, what were your initial reactions after the game? Okay, let me put it this way. Did you think that we got unlucky? Because technically, <laughs> Manchester United <laughs> capitalized on to... Well, <laughs> improbable situations. And then there's obviously the whole bar fiasco. So you could say that a lot of things just didn't go our way in this one situation. So, yeah. Do you, yeah. Do you agree that we got unlucky? Um, so a lot of things didn't really go our way is kind of an understatement to how I felt after yesterday's game. Uh, I, I, Miz and I were actually... Uh, chatting after the game well chatting more raging understandably <laughs> enough uh, because that was um 
one of the worst VAR uh, performances that I've seen in a long time. But I, I, I think we will be getting to the whole VAR fiasco uh, later. But my initial thoughts about the game itself are not just the bad decisions made, were that it's the same old, same old. And I think if these decisions hadn't been made, these these wrong decisions, blatantly wrong, then I would have felt the same disdain as I have been recently or in recent months. And we just don't take our chances because that, that is something where, you know, VI isn't at fault. Um, I know Zuma scored that goal and it should have stood. But um, thinking about the first half where we were actually dominant, you know, there was no Manchester United chance there. We, we were not you know uh, getting them on target but I thought we did quite well but it's the same as always where people were trying to get some positives out of it last uh, yesterday oh well we were dominant in the first half yeah that's nice but you know at the when the whistle for a, far, a half time blew we were one nil down and while I think it's ridiculous as some have done to give Christensen the fault for that first goal because he was just coming on the field and just running back I would have said, yeah, then someone else has to uh, drop in and cover for him at the, at that moment in time. And I don't know why Rudiger was blazing forward just moments beforehand. It's the, that's the same old story. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not fond of Rudiger that much anymore, I have to be honest. And it's just, Batch, why had he taken his chances? We wouldn't have even gotten into this whole situation. And that is something where it's been blatantly obvious for weeks months that that's our achilles heel and we didn't do anything about it in january we didn't address the issue uh, even if we did try but ultimately it didn't we didn't wasn't enough wasn't good enough so i'm really after yesterday in a position where i say i can really see us not end up in the top four and this might sound negative but do we have what it takes to uh, compensate for all the injuries, injury FC returning um, that have plagued us? I mean, which team goes into a winter break with more players than after where everyone's supposed to have been recuperating? And then we, we, we've lost two of our most important players, if you ask me. So, yeah, my, my, my thoughts after the final whistle were where do we go from here? You know, I, I know we're still in fourth and we still have it in our family, our hands, but we've got some huge games coming up and yesterday's performance just wasn't good enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that, that, those are my thoughts. Um, Miz, mm. as I said, we, we, we were speaking or we were writing after the game. I think we feel that there's, there's, there's this mutual uh, feeling of, oh my God, what's happening here? Lampard has to be also taking the blame here. What, what were your thoughts after the final whistle? Yeah, I mean, I think look, so one of the key points that you've just pointed out there was it's the issues that we've seen on a, on a consistent basis throughout this season. Now, Yes, we can sit here and talk about that particular match on its own and go, yeah, sure, we might have been unlucky 
Kier, VAR was poor and referees were poor and we got unlucky with the injuries and so on, so on, so on and so forth. But, you know, if we look at our, our sort of form over the last 10 to 15 Premier League games, and I just recently tweeted something not, not that long ago that you know, everyone complains about, okay, we create a lot of chances, but we don't finish. All right, fair enough. Um, you know, we don't, we're not clinical up front. Uh, we don't have Hazard this season. That's one of the, you know, excuses that everyone seems to put up. It wasn't an excuse when we were, you know, having our six-game or seven-game winning streak, but fair enough, it's an excuse. Um, we didn't address our uh, issues in January when we could have and when Frank was frustrated. But here's the thing. We, with all the things that we know that we can't do, one thing I'm pretty sure we could do better is defending. Now... Mm. We we lost the game today 2-0 at home. This isn't the first time we've lost at home 2-0. We've lost to many other teams 2-0 at home. My question is, okay, we can't score, but why are we letting others score? Why, what's stopping us from being defensively resolute? You know, And this, we're coming to almost the end of the season. There's only, what, maybe 11 more games or 10 more games to go. Um and we still can't defend set pieces. We still can't defend free kicks. We still can't defend corners. We still can't defend crosses. We still have, as you said, Rudiger that does absolute stupid, stupid things. Um, you know, Christiansen, he's on and off, but he's fragile. He gets injured. Um, yes, I, I didn't completely get to see exactly what happened with the elbow and whatnot because I was just, uh, you know, when I'm watching the game, I'm writing notes and I might have missed. And then that's why I watched the match twice, three times oh. sometimes. Um, so I might have missed what happened, but you know, it seems like he always gets himself into this sort of, you know, gets a nudge or this and that. He gets injured, um, and then I come to the question where, you know, where, where we had a combination of Zuma and Tomori. That was I feel that was working so well, and we had some you know chemistry and some combination going on. Even though that wasn't perfect, but you know, give give some give these two a go, like at least give them 10 to 15 games where they can you know, start building something together. And all of a sudden that was sort of canned and binned off. So, and, and then obviously we've seen the shifting of Aspilicueta from right side to the left side. You know, Emerson's nowhere to be seen anymore. Alonso, like, I mean, I say to myself, why do we have to lose? You know, for me, I get, I understand that we, we are unable to score. But my frustration at the end of today's game was why are we letting this absolute rubbish off a Man United team? And it burns me that Oligan Asosha, their own club, their own fans want this guy gone because of how boring he plays. Yet he comes and he beats us three times this yeah. season. And, and this is where all my depression starts. Like, I'm like, <laughs> I just don't know, you know, this is, to be honest, in a nutshell, this is what my feeling feeling is. Like, we did, sure, we can't win the match today. We couldn't win the match because, you know, people like Bashiai can't seem to put away easy chances when they get the you know, opportunity to start for us. But boy, oh boy, do we need to concede? Do we need to concede the way we've conceded? That's my question. I mean, if every other shot on target is a goal, then, I mean, everyone's answer to that question has to be yes. God, 
yes. And um, yesterday was no exception. I mean, the defensive frailties are something See, which I, I, I can't, just don't get. Why I can't, we didn't address I can't widely comment on what's been happening mm. um, before this, but if you look at yesterday just in isolation, surely you have to admit that both the times that they scored were very good headers that you probably won't score very often. But Ron, and, it seems to happen a lot with us. These very good headers seems to happen exactly, yeah. almost every match for the past 10 to 15 matches. Like, surely there comes a point where we need to say to ourselves, and it, it goes down to that point as well, well, oh, you know, Kepa, he always concedes. He always concedes, you know. Yeah, well, Kepa's not been playing for the last two games and we're still conceding. So I think it's a lot deeper than we really think it is. I agree. I, I, I feel inclined to agree because dropping Kepa is one thing. He has had one of the worst stats this season in the Premier League. We all know that. You know, Stats don't lie in that regard. But putting all the blame on the, him uh, over the past few weeks has been just an easy way out because as much as people love Antonio Rudiger, for example, he is not that good. He was good in his first season. He was already having, I can remember watching him at Stuttgart already, and he had these inherent flaws where you say he just blanks. And for example, yesterday on that first goal, I feel he should have done better. I feel he should have done better. I mean, generally, as said, Someone would have had to come in and cover for Christensen while he was still on his way back. Not just leave that space open for him, ju just about reach it um, with a bloody nose, mm. etc. That makes no sense. So I think how our defense is set up, that is not right. I, 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 I can't tell where the mistake is because I'm not on the pitch or on the training ground, but something just doesn't connect. And... I'm not saying it's only Antonio Rudy because you mentioned already Andreas Christensen. He is too soft in certain instances, but I thought he's been great these far, past few games he's played. He's got some mm. consistency coming in because he's always playing. And I, I mean, I, I thought he's done well and blaming him for that first goal. I, I think that's, that's, that's just wrong. The second goal, I, there was no second goal for me because he shouldn't have been on the pitch. Um, Cause that, that if Son's, kick against uh was it rudiger was a red yeah. card then that's got to be one yeah. as well mm. but that, mm. that you know staying with this defending problems um that is something that none of our center backs have been able to uh rectify this season and kurt zuma has his limitations rudiger's his limitations christensen also has limitations and well tomorrow to be honest we haven't seen enough of him to make a, a certain statement how good he is. He is good. We've seen that, but um, he's just been too, too uh, injured too often uh, recently. <sighs> I mean, Ram, we've been talking about defensive frailties for ages now, haven't we? Uh, and loads of the podcasts. <laughs> don't, don't you think that as, as Ms. said, it's happened too often now that one could say, okay, these were just good headers. I mean, that rationally speaking, if one only thinks about yesterday, sure. But, you know, looking at the bigger picture here, this is nothing that has just happened yesterday. 
this is something that we've been talking on nearly every podcast with nearly every guest that, oh my God, what's wrong with our defence? Can't this start to be also questioned of the manager? I mean, we could say the players aren't, like, aren't good enough, but something isn't quite right how they're set up. Because we have seen Rudiger be good in the past. We have seen Azpilicueta be good in the past. We know that Reese James is fantastic. Um, what, where, do, where, where does the inherent flaw lie? That's that's a tough one, but obviously you have to start talking about the manager, as you say. Hmm. Can't can't all be shafted onto the players. Uh, it's it's not like we're a couple of three months into the season anymore. We're almost at the end of it, I guess. And exactly, I suppose the defensive organization is there is there is something something flawed with it, and um, I won't be afraid to say that. That's probably on Lampard. But as you were saying before, I somewhat rudely cut you out earlier. Were you, were you about to say, why didn't we strengthen in January? Um, I believe so. I, 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 I'm not very good with memories. <laughs> uh, okay, well, I, I, I mean, think I, so, yeah. I, I think you were, I mean, do, do you believe we should have spent in January? Oh, certainly. Yeah, I, I do. Yes, because okay. that was an, a, a blatant area of weakness for for me. It was, but the problem was we have a lot of bodies over there and the club just isn't going to... I mean, I don't think it was ever realistic to expect them to buy someone unless they could actually get someone out because when, when you have four, you're not going to buy a fifth one of a higher level because that that's... That's probably the the reason why we didn't spend on a winger in January to, to you know upgrade immediately. So I don't think that was ever going to happen, and I think we probably will upgrade in the summer. I think one of them will end up going. I just have a gut feeling that it might be Zuma. Um, as as for as for what exactly what exactly is going wrong, I I don't think I I definitely don't have the answer. I don't know if Miz does, but I thought that. Yesterday, we were actually not bad at reducing them to not-so-good opportunities. I don't think they had any good opportunities mm-hmm. in the game, except these... <laughs> we know set-pieces have been a problem for a long time, so that's that's one really clear area of improvement. And I think we keep calling out for Chelsea to hire a set-piece coach like every week, Jimmy, don't we? Uh, that's that's how we conceded the second goal. The first goal was across, also been one of the So I think there are two clear areas of improvement when we're talking about our defense. One one is defending crosses, another is defending corners. But I think that in open play, we were actually we were not bad. We were snuffing them out with relative ease, or so I thought, until Christensen got a bloody nose and had to come back and. Whatever happened with the first goal happened. So I, I don't think that our defense in open play is that bad. Earlier, we used to have a situation where there was a lot of space in midfield. I think that has gradually been getting better. And I thought it was a lot better yesterday as well. And see, I just feel as if if you entertain my alternate reality that Harry Maguire gets sent off and we somehow end up winning the game, these questions don't get asked 
I think that it's somehow exacerbated by, I mean, no, it's obviously exacerbated by the fact that we lost. But our defending wasn't as bad yesterday as it's been in times before that. That's just my take on it. Obviously, it's part of a larger trend. It's part of a trend where we're conceding goals. We're conceding soft goals. Obviously, that that's not good. But, yeah, I, I just, I, I don't think it was egregious yesterday. It wasn't, it was reduced to two very specific instances. And maybe there's reason to believe that they know what's going wrong and they're trying to work towards it. It's just, I, I just can't help but think that if, 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 if even some luck had gone our way, then we wouldn't have been talking about these defensive frailties with as much emphasis as we are right now. Wouldn't, wouldn't co- you agree? Co- co- a couple of things I want to I want to add to that, Ram, that you just mentioned, which sort of caught my attention. One of them was, you know, the alternative reality. Let's let's just say Harry Maguire was sent off not that long ago. I think we played Arsenal at home. Where? <laughs> Good point. Who was it? Who was? Who was that player? Oh, Double Louise. Double Louise was sent off, and boy, oh boy, <laughs> we found it very difficult to break them. In fact. They probably, um, you know, looked more sharper with one one less player. We, we did create um, chances, though, didn't we? Sorry, what was that, Rob? Sorry. You you would say that we created chances, though, wouldn't you? We had yeah, yeah, a yeah, lot yeah. of shots from inside the area, as far as. Hundred percent. I mean, look, I, th- I think, I think, yeah, definitely we're creating chances, uh, but in the sense that the point you were sort of saying uh, that. You know, we've, we've snuffed out Man United. We didn't give them enough chances. 100% we didn't. But I think that's more the fact that Man United are very, very average, in my opinion. Like, mm. they they are not a very good team. And this is why I've said earlier that it burns me the fact that we've lost to this team three times because I've bantered them the whole season. I've watched some of their games. And they're not good. They're really, really not good. They're not coached well. Well, I can't even say that anymore. They've beaten us three times. Um you know, it's. I'm not surprised the fact that we've snuffed them out. I I expected completely that that we were going to snuff, you know, you know, absolutely sniff them out. That they're not going to, they're not going to have enough chances and whatnot. And that's why I'm 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 a lot more upset. The fact that I knew they were going to get the set piece opportunities. I knew they were going to get that odd cross here and there. And, you know, that's where I need our team to step up and and nullify those situations. Um, because this is the type of game Man United plays. This is how they play. They're not going to... The current Man United, I'm not talking about the historical Man United, the current Man United, this is how they play. They like to sit back. That's exactly what they did with us. And, um, you know, when they get the opportunity, they want to break quick as fast as they can. And if they get lucky, they score. And, you know, they really take advantage of their set pieces. And that's not just Man United. That's every team against us this season. They love taking their opportunities in set pieces. And, you know, this is something that I think, you know, we, we, we say, well, what's the solution? Well, how's a team like Brighton with Lewis Dunk and whoever else they have still managed to have, you know, a solid sort of defensive backline in set pieces and whatnot and not concede like the way we do, you know, many other teams in, in sort of lower to mid-table that tend to have a far better defensive structure than us. Sheffield United, for God's sakes. 
championship team. They're a very well-coached team, I might add. Very, very well-coached. Yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna say those kind of things, Miz, about championship <laughs> team, then you're gonna have a, a bad time with Ram. Oh, he's like the fact that he's like 50. the super fan of the championship and uh, <laughs> that love child. So yeah, um, j- j- just putting that out. Who's fifth in the table? This is not about them being a championship side. They're a Premier League side. Yeah, yeah. And, but, but the point what <laughs> I'm trying to say is that the point what I'm trying to say is that boys is that when you have a coach that has a particular um, vision or ideology that this is how I want to defend and I need you boys to believe in that we may fail every now and then but I need you boys to believe in that because sooner or later it's going to click you know I feel like and, and on top of that consistency you know making sure you have the right sort of back four or back three or whatever style you want to play that you're there all the time I think all this constant chopping and changing different combinations this player that player um, and I don't know if, if if the instructions are always consistent as well as to how to defend, whether zonal or whether man marking. You, know, you start questioning that. Where, like, sure, a lot of people will probably listen to me now and think, "Oh, here we go, Mr. Negative again, Mr. Negative." I'm not. I'm not being negative. I'm, I'm just being honest and being trying to be objective in the sense that. Fair enough. I'll go on the bandwagon this season and say, okay, this is a write-off season. No problems. Frank, you get an easy ride. Do whatever you need to do. Board, do whatever you need to do. But I don't think we can have this view next season. Like, I don't know how magically we're going to start defending set pieces next year. But we better start seeing it. Because if I still see these sort of issues next season, I mean, what's going on? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, I definitely agree. I think that uh, figuring out defensive organization was a big problem at Derby County as well. I watched some of them last season. They, I, th- I think Lampard knows how he wants to attack. Uh, he has more issues when you're thinking about how to defend, I suppose, because the same issues that were over there are the exact same ones over here. So there's obviously a pattern. Mm. And I don't know if it's just down to him being a very new manager into this game, even, even considering that he's had, this is his second professional season now, he's crossed about mm. 60, 70 games in management, but he was in the championship last season. His, his only experience in a manager in any capacity, and then now he's in the Premier League. And um, you're right in saying that. That's why my attitude towards the start of the season as well was, I'm just going to give Lampard the entire season to figure things out because it's whatever way you look at it, it's uh, it's a huge change, a huge step up for him to go from a absolute novice, absolute rookie manager a couple of years ago to managing a supposedly top six side in the Premier League now. So mm. I, th- I think that I think that Lampard is a man who has his ideas about how he wants to play, but I think he's not. Completely set in his ways yet, the just like such as the likes of Graham Potter or Chris Wilder are like just just to pick out some of the examples that you mentioned. Even though they are further down the table, uh, it's just yeah. So basically, I'm I'm just I'm just parroting what you said. I I hope Lampard sorts this out by the end of the season and over preseason. I'm hoping that we'll see a side that is 
palpably looking like they know what they're doing towards the start of yeah. next season. Before that, I'm just I'm just uh, taking it whatever way it comes, I guess. Well, I mean that that is of course uh, the main argument. Well, not the main argument, but the the one thing that most are keeping in in the mind because I uh, I know there are of course these Twitter trolls that are saying oh Lampard out blah blah blah. I don't really take them seriously. You can block them. That's mm-hmm. the easiest way to do it. No, everyone who's thinking rationally here knows that Lampard needs time. He needs a full, uh, a real let's let's say it like this a real transfer window because the January one is always a tricky uh, window. I accept that because just quickly referring back to did I think that we needed reinforcements? Uh, I know it's a tricky one. Uh, I still think we should have gotten someone in even if it was just on loan so that the the win or loss kind of scenario didn't really affect, wouldn't have affected us. But my point is we need to give him time and I do nevertheless think that he has to catch up very quickly now in regard to these defensive settings um, because, as you said, this was already a problem at Derby. And um, whether or not he needs uh, a coach to come in and help him in that respect, I don't know. Um, Jody Morris wasn't the kind of guy who was on de- uh, always on defensive duties back in his day. Um if I'm not mistaken, maybe I'm mixing things up here. Uh, but the thing is um, that something has to give. And strengthening for me is the only uh, way of doing that. Because if you compare, I, I know I've said this a thousand times, but the Virgil van Dijk signing for Liverpool, hmm. they had a completely incompetent defence. And then he came in and everything clicked. And I'm, I'm sorry, but that's not just got to do with Jurgen Klopp somehow uh, implementing his way of defensive football. Uh, his Not defensive football, but his way of uh, defence of setup. That's just not true. If you have a player who can bind that, that back four together, bark out orders, really organise them well... Uh, whether he's the captain or not, that makes a humongous difference. Whether we're actually able to acquire one such a player in the summer is a different story entirely. But I'm just saying that's what we need. And I think then Lampard would also be uh, thoroughly helped in that regard. And if you look at Man City, um, their defenders, apart from Laporte, aren't world beaters. I'm sorry, but mm. I don't think that John Stones is great. I don't think that Otamendi is in any way great. Benjamin Monti is great when going forward. Uh, Zinjenko you, has been good, but you, you can bypass him. You can, if you've got like a, a Hudson-Odoi and Reese James, I think they could give him a problem. Um, so my, my point is they are nevertheless able to contend and... It also goes in hand that they are able to take the chances because if you score a goal early, for example, if Michu would have taken one of his two major chances, then the whole complexion of the game changes. You know, it deflates the opposing team, uh, yada, yada, yada. And then you can hit them on the break. It it, it all, uh, the dominoes fall there. And if we're able to at least adjust that area, 
now, you know, by, for example, using Olivier Giroud while Tammy Abraham isn't um, fit. Yes, he only scored an offside goal, but at least he scored a goal. Yeah, he brought it on target. Mm. It was a great finish, if you ask me. And one thing that one has to keep in mind is with the capacity of Rhys James to be able to whip in all those crosses. And we did once again whip in quite a few crosses into dangerous areas, but no one was there to meet them because Mishibash wasn't that kind of a player, you know. Uh, he might have been a great finisher once, but at the moment, be it because of a lack of minutes or a lack of confidence, whatever, it's not happening for him. And I don't think that at Chelsea he will find back to form before the end of the season. So Olivier Giroud, for me, is the go-to option. Um, he should have been brought on far earlier uh, yesterday. I could really understand his frustration when he uh, did come on um, because he was 2-0 down. Uh, but, you know, that that for me has to happen because Tammy Abraham is probably out against Spurs. Olivier Giroud all the way. Um, yeah. Uh, before we get into the VR discussion, we'll just quickly take a, a break. Welcome back to the podcast. And I suppose it's about time... We discussed, well, VR, the big elephant in the room. Or is it the elephant of the room? Because everyone seems to be talking about it anyway. <laughs> but the, the the main issue, I guess, is are we are we sure that VR is a good thing? And is it and if it is a good thing, is the problem simply with the way it's implemented? Or is the problem with the people actually behind the scenes looking at the the video reviewing footage. I, I think that was certainly the case of what happened yesterday because there was no way a competent refereeing official views video of Aspelikwara getting pushed during the corner and then uh, Harry Maguire obviously kicking out at Meishi Bachuai. So I, I, I have thoughts on VAR. <laughs> I, I think that the offside ruling is a little harsh, but then I, I think that the, the margins are too fine if you have 1% of your ankle bypassing their lines on their video, then you're a judge to be offside. And I think that there should be some sort of reasonable margin, but then that starts a whole debate of how much margin is reasonable. And yeah, that's that's my issue with the offside rule. But there, there was really no excuse for getting the calls wrong yesterday on Aspeliqueta and Harry Maguire. We were robbed of a goal and robbed of a man advantage as well. And obviously bitten back later with Maguire scoring a goal. So, Ms., what are your thoughts on VAR? Do you think, you think that they're actually trying to do good things, but the implementation is just not, not where it's supposed to be at the moment? Um. I don't. I honestly, I don't even know where to start with this. I'm, yeah. I'm. I'm so confused about this whole thing. You know. <laughs> the funny thing, the the way I look at it is, you know, when when both the goals happened. When uh, sorry, I think it was um, Zuma's goal was the one that when Spilicueta was pushed right, guys. That that was the Zuma's goal. That was the one. As I remember. Yeah. 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 And I remember. As soon as that went in, 
I was on my video and I was like, yeah, because I was going to upload the video with my celebration. I was so excited that I made a 1-1. One, one. And I was about to upload and then obviously I saw VAR, no goal. I had to quickly cancel that. And that's me just being in social media, being fooled by the VAR. Um, imagine all the people and the fans out there in the stadium and players that are just, you know, celebrating. And Something's on run something around that whole thing where you celebrate and you still think that this is um you know there could be an element of doubt now to go so that, that's the emotional side of me i suppose now to go in into the technical side of what you were saying ram is you know looking at jerusalem right yeah I, I don't even know what portion of 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 that was actually offside by with mcguire's feeders or like as you said one percent maybe was out and i say to myself is this what this game is coming down to now where you know we want to try and eliminate the one percent when to be honest we can't even seem to get the the bigger issues right where where mcguire kicks out and we couldn't even get that right which was so blatant that he kicked out it, it I don't care what anyone says. There's quite a few opinions out there that are talking about, oh, he tried to defend himself. Defend himself to what? Like, what are you defending <laughs> yourself to? I mean, Bachoy wasn't going to fall onto you. And even if he does, that's how you defend yourself. You go out and lash out and kick someone in their area. Like, that. that's, that's ridiculous. For me, don't even try to tell me that that was trying to defend yourself. That was clearly lashed out. And VAR can't seem to get something so ridiculously obvious right but they want to eliminate Giroud's one percent that simple like and this is my issue with with VAR like you know and I'm not I'm not an analyst out there of VAR and I don't know it too well enough to understand it but I go back to you know I watch a bit of cricket like for instance in cricket you know when there is an LBW shout uh, to apologise if not, none of the listeners are cricket um, listeners, but in cricket, what happens is when a bowler bowls and there's an LBW shout, um, and, and the umpire is not sure, it goes to the third umpire and they check. And sometimes the ball is hitting the wicket, but it's not hitting it enough. It's not hitting it enough. It, it's it's either a faint touch or you know just clipping it. And that's when it goes back to the umpire, and the umpire basically says, well. In my eyes, it was out, or in my eyes, it wasn't out. Why can't we have that sort of element where, in that Giroud's instance, where it was so close, why couldn't we go back to the umpire and go, what do you think in real-life situation? What would it kind of look like to you? Oh, no, it was, to me, it didn't look, it, it looked fine. Well, then carry on, it's a goal. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't, like, if you're going to fix the 1%, then you're going to have to fix the bigger issues out there, like the the likes of um, uh, um, Harry McGuire's ones. So, um, and and that that's my technical sort of take on it. I don't know how technical it was, but the other side that I want to talk about is post-match. You know, there's so much scrutiny that's going on about VAR at the moment. J- just the way, and I've spoken about this quite a while back with Matisse uh, Armani, who's also features in Football Twitter. Um, I said to him that, you know, just the way you've got managers coming out post-match and giving interviews, you know, VAR need to come out and start explaining their decisions as well, I feel like, because or else there's just too much uh, ambiguity uh, in the fan base where 
you know, there's all this hatred towards referees and there's all, and, you know, this is a benefit for them as well. Like, to come in out and actually explaining that Espelicueta push, you know, he clearly got pushed by Fred. What's he meant to do? What's he meant to do? How's he meant to stop himself being pushed? His first reaction is obviously get his hands up because he's about to fall. So, in essence, it really should have been a penalty before it was actually even a foul on Brendan Williams. Should have been a penalty on Aspilicueta being pushed. So, yeah, like I, I need VAR to come out after every match to explain themselves because it's very new. Um, and if you're not able to do that yet, then I say go back to drawing board and, and, and really look at the whole thing again and come back when, when you have a far sort of um, solid process, I suppose. Well, that's. Uh, I think those that's encapsulated the whole conundrum about uh, VR, VAR, sorry, at the moment quite well. Um, the problem is the, how long it took to even get this far to using technology in the game, uh, specifically in regard to the FA, who we know are dinosaurs. You know, let, let's be completely honest. If you compare them to other uh, footballing, uh, governing football uh, bodies in different countries in Europe, like, for example, the German one, which I think is quite good, uh, the Germany one, um, then England's just still really, really behind in that regard. And, you know, I, I really do think that if... For example, such uh, improvements or changes are made, as you mentioned, uh, taking in also other sports into this uh, equation where you say, okay, in this sport, they do it like this. Hey, this could also work in football. Then we could see improvements. And there are, is this talk about that, uh, was it 10 centimeter uh, margin for error, basically, mm. or mm. that's mm. the way they give the benefit of the doubt, which is supposed to be implemented next season. Let's wait and see if it really is. Um, it's, I just don't think that's going to be enough, first of all, because I don't know if the Giroud goal would have stood then tomorrow, uh, yesterday, probably uh, not. But, why wasn't um, the, why wasn't the pitch side screen used yesterday? I thought Lampard yeah. made a pertinent point in his uh, post match interview. But when when is it ever used? You know, it very yeah, very it was used Melbourne. once, wasn't it? When we very played, awesome. yeah, it's it's barely yeah. ever used, and yeah. I think it's also because the criticism is coming from all these old fashioned pundits who have no clue about a lot of things. Let's be completely honest, as good as players as they might have been in the past saying, oh, it's destroying the game. We always have to wait so long. Well, if you want to get something right, then it takes time. And then just play on for eight minutes of extra time. I'm I'm 100% sure that no fan will have a problem staying 10 minutes longer in the ground. As long as his team, or his or her team, sorry, um, is treated correctly and is given the correct decisions, whether that be of um, an advantage or not. You know, but if you don't do that, then where's the point? If you're overrushing things like yesterday, where you should have looked at that screen, as you both pointed out quite well, then then uh, there's no point. And the problem is, as said, it took this long to even get to this position where we have VAR. It's going to take ages for them to 
make changes to them that really matter, especially because if you look at how they are defending the referees in their of the at their disposal, they don't want to admit that mistakes are being made. They do not want to do that. You know, even these reports of them with this 10 centimeter margin, that wasn't something, if I'm not mistaken here, that was officially uh, told by some kind of a FIFA employee. It just came somehow in the papers, probably because some club mentioned it or leaked it, uh, that they're going to be talking about this with the FA. So there's no transparency in that regard. Uh, No one wants to admit that mistakes are being made. Um, Kavanaugh, who was the, the VAR referee yesterday, he shouldn't be refereeing a Premier League uh, game again this season. He should not. <laughs> no, he shouldn't. And yeah, he should. that's not, probably not going to happen. If, if we're lucky he is uh, relegated to the, to the championship, probably not going to happen, though, because no one has to um, take up responsibility. As you mentioned, Miz, if someone is... Um, forced to explain his decision then fine but no we want to defend our referees you know that's just ridiculous you know it's always going to lead to these kind of situations we're not the first club that's moaning about VAR and rightfully moaning about VAR this season there are a lot of clubs that have been um, well sabotaged I'm sorry maybe that's a very strong term for it but sabotaged for me that's how i feel robbed mm. and mm. if changes aren't made immediately for next season because I, I don't quite understand why they can't do it on the go and already do it during the season but okay maybe there's a plausible reason for that um but if that isn't happening next season then you might as well take it out of the game again make it as efficient as possible taking the criticism that has come up up until now and then reintroduce it at the halfway line or in, you know, the, the which, what, what season would that be? The 2021-2022 season. But there's no point having it like this because it's just infuriating more fans than it was before. Because at least then you could say, well, he didn't see it or, oh, God, you know, shit referee, whatever. Sorry, pardon my French. Um, but now it's just even more infuriating as it was before because you can see it even if we're all not referees you know we we haven't got the education uh to to say we're a referee but it's so blatantly obvious that you what you see here on the screen that it just makes it worse especially if this decision isn't correct you know the the one correct decision was correct with Giroud but um if we're being honest here, then the referee also has happened in the past. He thinks, oh, well, hmm, you know, I, I know I, I mucked up uh, with the red card. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. But that's not how it works with, with uh, VAR because um, you see all the decisions. And if you see one wrong, which is ridiculous, then, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just stupid. It really is stupid. So... I don't think there are any quick fixes here. This has to be sat down and um, a major overhaul has to be done. I How? Think... That's up to them. Sorry to buddy hmm. there. Uh, no, Jimmy, what, what I was going to say is um, I wanted to say that 
I'm, I'm truly hoping that post this season is done. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure all these VR referees and the referees, they have some sort of meeting or collaboration once a week or once a month, whatever the case is, they have a meeting. I just hope that at the end of the season, they look back on all the VAR decisions and they really, really, you know, objectively look at every single one of them and say, okay, were we right about that? Were, you know, if we were right, okay, fantastic. Were we wrong about that? Okay, where were we wrong? How could we have improved? What needed to be, like, I, I need them to start learning because this mm. season has been a whole heap of inconsistencies. like... You know, you think, okay, fine. Uh, we saw some shocking decisions in in the you know, Chelsea Man United game. All right, fine, fair enough. You got the Giroud thing right, but clearly you did not get the Harry Maguire thing right. So, you know, what's what's going to happen in the next match? Next, you know, matches that are coming up in the next weekend are you going to have the same sort of inconsistencies again? Or are you going to rectify your issues? So, you know, it may be the same inconsistencies again, and and it, it may be because it's too quick to sort of fix all of that. But the next season, you know, obviously we're going to have VAR um, unless they somehow take it off or whatnot. They, they need to look back on all of the incidents that have happened this season, every single one, every single one, every match to the dot, and really, really write down a process and really, really be objective and go, okay, this was right, this was wrong, and let's write it down and let's try and rectify it and let's try and get a lot of a lot more consistency next season. Because if I don't see that, then what's the point? You you just it's it's just a lottery. Every game is a lottery. Like, you know, is it gonna be is the VAR gonna turn up today or is it gonna not, not turn up today? Like, do you know what I mean? Like I don't think that's fair on fans or on teams, um, players, everyone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. I, re- I really couldn't. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think, Ram, I don't know if you still want to add anything to that there. Um, the whole VAR. I think we've pretty much run that. I think mm. we've pretty much run that topic, Jaino. Said everything that needs to be said. It's just on... It's on It's on the Premier League and it's on the FA to implement it better this season, learn from... I mean, next implement better next season, learn from the season's mistakes. I mean, I don't hear of... Uh, these, I mean, I don't hear of these extensive VAR controversies where in other leagues where it's implemented, like the Bundesliga. And mm. it, I mean, it's literally there in so many leagues, yet we just hear of all these mishaps in the Premier League. I wonder why that is. So that's, yeah, there, there's a lot, they have a lot of introspection to do. And, mm. Good point. Yeah. Good point, Rama, actually. Yeah. Like, we, we never actually hear about you know, all these mega, mega, yeah, mega exactly. you know, stuff ups. But yeah, interesting. Well, uh, before moving on to the next thing, I we'd best take another break. Welcome back to We and Got No Podcast, and looking forward to our next fixture, which is also at Stamford Bridge. It is a London derby against Tottenham, and obviously we beat Tottenham last time, and I thought Lampard did quite well tactically in that match. But this is Jose Mourinho. And this is our home form. So that's basically the perfect storm coming together for Tottenham uh, to try and win this game. And obviously, our squad is almost threadbare at the moment. Pulisic, Callum Hudson-Odoi, Kante, 
Tammy Abraham, uh, there's, there's a high probability that none of them are going to be able to make the match. So we are heading in without some of our best players, and they are heading in without Hyung Min Son, who is also admittedly very important to them, but uh, and obviously Harry Kane, but not nearly as bad as ours, or so I think. And yeah, I think Tottenham are always going to be a threat, especially when wily old Mourinho, who is now bald, is managing them. And I think their new signing, Steven Bergwijn, has been doing quite well for them as well. Uh, an explosive winger who is going to cause problems to whoever's going to play a left-back that day. So, Miz, what are your thoughts on this game? I, it, I, I imagine it's hard to be optimistic uh, at this point. But do you see us getting anything out of this? Because we have Bayern Munich right after this. How much <laughs> how much by way of rotation do you think Yay. we might we might go? Do you think Lampard might prioritize this game seeing as we I mean qualification has to come first. Um like every single topic we've touched today, I'm, I'm just I just start being so lost. I'm just Yeah. You know, it's just um it's a lot to unpack, isn't it? Yeah, it's just so difficult to, as you said, unpack all of these things. Um, Spurs, look, first of all, this whole thing about rotation. Um, I'm, I'm now to a point where I'm sick and tired of it. Like, I, I need to see some consistency. I need to have Frank put out a consistent team. Yes, uh-huh. we've got injuries now, um, and, and that poses another issue on itself. But, you know... Kudos to Frank that he's starting Rudiger and Christiansen on a regular basis, even though that's not my first choice and I don't think um, their combination works. But at least at least he's believing in the consistency there and he's allowing them to continue on. So that's great. But once again, Christiansen's um, injured, so he's probably not going to feature against Tottenham. So once again, we're going to see a you know, different combination. My... I don't want to take this game lightly because we've got Bayern Munich next because we need to start focusing on the Premier League as well. We we, we yeah. are slowly seeing our top four position, which honestly probably don't deserve it because we've been so poor over the last 10 to 15 games. But we've still managed to stay top four. Um, and, and we need to hold on to that. And in essence, it's actually top five now with Man City gone. So... I'd be devastated if we're not even in the top, you know, five teams of the Premier League. So, for me, enough with this taking it not so seriously with inverted commas. No, we have to take it seriously. Number one, number two, I I, I need I need to see Frank have a defensive plan because make no mistake about it, Jose is not going to fall for the same trick again. He is yeah. not going to fall for Lampard's same trick one more time. He's too witty, too smart for that kind of stuff. Um, we may still end up beating them, but he won't fall for that same trick that Frank played. So, um, you know, defensively, we better be we better be um, up for it. We better start having some sort of idea about set pieces because <laughs> Tottenham 
they know how to put set pieces together. Um, you know, they've got some really good takers. They've got some really good um, players at the back that are tall. Um, you know, they've got tall midfielders as well. So they can put balls away. Deli Ali, you know, he hasn't scored a header against us for a little while. So look out for that. He generally does that. So yeah, very annoying. You know, <laughs> yeah, very very annoying. So we we need to have a plan here. We need to. There were there were parts. And sorry, boys, to go into the Man United game again, but there were parts in, in today's game where, yes, we looked great and we created a few opportunities, you know, batch your eyes and whatnot, but there were moments in the game where we were just going once again side to side. You know, second half, there were moments where Kovacic to Jorginho, Jorginho to, um, you know, whoever else on the side, and there was just, you know, there was no penetration, that penetrating pass through the middle, that, you know, the kind of pass... Um, someone like Ziyech would do um, hopefully next season so I need Frank to to go out against Spurs and first of all be very defensively resolute but also have the element of taking risk take those risky passes even if it's an interception know how to fall back and, and get into a defensive shape I remember Pep ages ago I saw a documentary and Pep, um, you know, was saying that one of the things that he teaches his players to do is, yes, be great on the ball, but be even greater expecting that you could lose the ball. So, yes, you have the ball right now, but as soon as the ball goes, expect that it could be intercepted and know straight away to fall back into your defensive position. Don't sort of daydream and wait two to three seconds to realize, oopsie, you know, it's intercepted. Okay, now, well, the play's already gone. Like, the counter's already started, and you're already left behind. So I see far too many times that kind of sort of lapses that happen in our midfield or in our, you know, back four. So all of that has to go. We need to be sharp, take more chances. There were particular moments today where I felt Pedro, I know a lot of people talk so down about Pedro. It wasn't that great, but there were a few passes today where he found Mount the nice through passes in half spaces. There was one where, you know, he found Mount and then Mount whipped it in where Bachelet missed that sitter. Uh, there was another one where, you know, again, Pedro found through half spaces. I need those those sort of passes more regularly, you know, through the half spaces um, and, and create chaos. Really, really create chaos. Don't let the game drift. Don't just, okay, we'll just drift for the next 10 to 15 minutes and then, um, you know, we'll, we'll go with the next wave. No, really go out there. Really show them. I don't care if we don't have Tammy. I don't care if we don't have Pulisic. I don't care if we don't have uh, X, Y, and Z. Whoever is there, they better man up and show up in that match. No more excuses. I'm sick and tired of it. I'm, I'm honestly sick and tired of it. Um, you know, so so many people say today, oh, look at that front line, William, Pedro, and Batra. Yeah, sure, it's not great, but do a job. God damn it, do a job. Like, <laughs> I mean, this is what I expect against Spurs. I'm not even thinking about Bayern Munich, to be honest, boys, because for me, if we don't beat Spurs, I believe, you know, even if if we draw, I think we could possibly go below fourth, right? Am I right? With other fixtures? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so, yeah. Mm. Yeah, because Sheff- Sheffield is not that far away from us, because if they get a win, I think they go ab- above us. I think yep, you're that's right. right. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So, Sadly, but yeah, you're it's right. It's a real jeopardy, though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's my state at the moment, guys. Yeah. I mean, 
on my end, I, I can't really add much to that because you summarise that quite well. Uh, <laughs> confidence isn't high, so... I mean, there's not much else to say. One thing I will under, uh, emphasize and underline what you said is with Frank having uh, an idea or a more concrete idea and one that also works uh, well against how Jose Mourinho is probably going to set up is in defense. Um, mm. I don't think he will because if he hasn't had it up until now or very rarely the case... Then he won't against uh, Tottenham on on Saturday. I hate early kickoffs anyway, so that's already a you know bad <laughs> omen. Uh, but um, yeah, uh, the one thing that I really do want to see, apart from all this this defensive form, this defensive shape that I really uh, that we all want to see, is that if Tammy Abraham is not fit enough, please, please don't persist in Mishibashwai. He himself more or less alluded to that he knew that his performance wasn't good yesterday, but he's low on confidence. There's no, the, the both haven't been playing much, but please play Olivier Giroud because the thing is against Jose Mourinho teams, it makes sense to have someone to hold up the uh, ball. If you do not, actually not even against Jose Mourinho teams, against everyone, you need a focal point up front. You need someone who you can um, have hold the ball up and link up. Olivier Giroud is old nowadays from a footballing perspective. He is not quick. Yeah. But one thing he does know how to do is finishing. That's led him down quite a few times this season when he has played. But the thing is, if we don't have that focal point who can hold up the ball up front, uh, especially against a uh, defensive pairing of which will probably be Toby Alderweireld, uh, Alderweireld and um, Deverson Sanchez, then we're going to have a problem. We're going to have a problem because the link-up play won't work. And while I thought, just because I forgot that before, Mateo Kovacic was very, very good, especially in that first half yeah. uh, against yeah. uh, Man United. Then, you know, if we can't link up that play, then we're going to have a problem. And there's always that plan B, or which could just as much be plan A, of Reese James getting a ball, um, crossing it in, whipping in with a fantastic cross as we know you can do 80% of the time uh, and um, then just hope that Giroud gets on the end of it because Mishibash why is not going to do that let's be honest and you know letting Tammy Abraham play through the pain against Leicester City what's that done for us he wasn't able to play against Man United so I mean, I'd expect that that had a role to play because you don't let players play through the pain normally, not uh, with that kind of an injury. Um, that can just irritate it. So in that regard, please play Olivier Giroud in that case. If he plays uh, poorly, well, that's just the way it is. But at least we have some kind of a plan going forwards uh, than Mishibash Y, who, you know, is kind of very random. And I don't think that that would work at all against Jose Mourinho uh, side because they are normally well organized and he'll try to frustrate us and Mishibash why won't see the ball at all he'll that I, I, I'd bet anything on that being the case if he would start if he does start so um, that, that those are my expectations of the game uh, I mean prediction wise I, I kind of 
I, I mean, I agree with you, Miz, uh, regarding what we need result-wise, but I don't think we're going to get more than a draw, uh, given current form. Yeah. Ram? Yeah, I don't think we're going to get more than a draw either, to be, to be honest. And I would also say that Giroud definitely, 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 sorry, deserves the start. And the game will also call for someone who can hold it up and flick it onto runners, which Batshuayi obviously cannot do, further evidence of which was yesterday. Mm. So, here's hoping Lampard does the right thing. Yeah, I, I think that his major, major reason behind not playing Giroud is that Chiru can't run the channels like Abraham and Batshuayi can. He's just not got the mobility at this age. He's just a different type of striker, probably not the type of striker Lampard would sign if he had the money to sign a new striker. But I think that he's, yeah, he's maybe taken it too far in being so rigid in what he wants out of a striker, so as to barely have Giroud play any minutes at all. So, obviously he was good when he came on yesterday. He made a palpable positive impact. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's only logical that he starts for more reason than one. So I hope that happens. Um, we will probably see William and Pedro, well, do what they're doing in attack. Anyway, I, I thought Pedro wasn't terrible yesterday. He was. Uh, yeah. He was. He was yeah. okay. Yeah, he's he, uh, better than he's been in his previous appearances. For sure, yeah, I think. True. So, yeah, we will That's see true. Pedro and William again, and they are good runners to be playing off Olivier Giroud. All said and done, Pedro's. 32 or whatever, but he's not he's not become slow or anything. So, he's functional. They can still function in that sort of role. So, I, I expect the lineup to be not too dissimilar to what we saw against Manchester United. It's because I, I, don't, I don't see him bringing in Ross Barkley in a game like that. I just don't. So, yeah, that's, yeah. As far as the score goes, I don't think we'll get more than a draw. I'll probably call it at a 1-1 where we score first and they score later because we have an issue with comebacks or so it seems. So, yeah, that's yeah. those are my thoughts on the game. Okay, well, um, I think as we've already been recording for well past Mrs. Bedtime, <laughs> considering <laughs> the, the time zones, which... Once again, thank you for staying up this late after a tedious long day, which saw that game happen. Um, yeah, I think we're, we're able to end it, Ram. Uh, yeah, I guess. I guess it's, the, it's time to end it now. Uh, Miz, it's been really, really good to have you on here. Thanks for making the time. I know that it's probably past midnight now and you should probably be getting to bed <laughs> but thank you for making the time to come on here and chat with us for what's nearly been an hour and a half now it's been really good uh, thank you so much boys um i wish we could keep on talking uh, all my sleep yeah. has just run away because uh, it was just interesting while you guys were both talking about certain things there's all sorts of different sort of um you know ideas that just popped up in my head you know and it's fantastic like we could i'm sure us we could just sit here and just talk all day long about chelsea football and all the current affairs and whatnot but 
yes, time is of the essence. So yes, yes it is. Yes, and um, it is just clocked one a.m. But it has, uh, oh my god! <laughs> yeah. But it's been a pleasure, boys. Thank you so yeah. so much for having me. And can yeah. I just emphasize before Ram uh, uh, closes yeah. the uh, or concludes the podcast? I can only strongly encourage everyone who is on Twitter uh, from our listeners to follow Miz uh, on Twitter. Um, his handle is at Miz Nine Raman. Um, it will be in the I was article. Do that. Oh, were you? I'm sorry. I, <laughs> yes. I just. I'm sorry about that. Um, no, that's cool. That's cool. But I just wanted them. As long as we're getting his name out there, right? I mean, not that it needs to be gotten out there because he's really big. But yeah. But no I just wanted to emphasize that again because yeah. you will not. Um, you will not. I'm just thinking of the of the German word now. Um, I'd like to say it's late here, but it isn't. So I, I'm just. I'm just got a brain lag here so um <laughs> he's just one you want to follow okay <laughs> yeah damn german thanks thanks jim baseline rahman and you can check out his youtube channel as well it's called the other side of the coin i think isn't it that is correct thank you thank yep. you for that <laughs> yeah uh and yeah you won't regret it so that's it for this episode of we and god no podcast we will see you at this time i think next week <laughs> See ya.